Who here could use a day off? Anybody? Up for a day off? Some of us are like, what do you mean a day off? We just had Labor Day, right? Like we rested from our labor on Labor Day. It's crazy how this week was a shorter week, but a lot of the people that I know, especially in like education or with their kids going back to school, this did not feel like a shorter week. And maybe your week was like mine where you got to the end of it. You're like, how is this supposed to be one of the short ones? Because there's just so much chaos that was going in. Well, maybe let me ask it this way. Have you ever gotten done with a vacation? And at the end of the vacation, you're like, I need a vacation to recover from the vacation that I just had. Because that was not restful at all. Maybe that's happened to you with a day off. You come out of your weekend or you come out of your day off and you go, like, man, I could just really use some rest. Because whatever word you would use to describe that vacation or that day off rest is not one of them. And I think there is this desire in our world for rest. I think most of us, if we were asked, do you need more rest in your life, we would say yes, right? So I am preaching on the Sabbath this morning, and the idea came to me way too late to declare sermon time as nap time. Maybe that could have been the best way. This is, this is what we call an experiential lesson. We're going to get you a little airplane pillows and face masks that say, ask me about Jesus later. And do some rest time. Well, uh, Sabbath is an important rhythm, and I don't know that we get it right. I think we do rest wrong in our society. Because that's why all of us would say, I'm burnt out, I'm frustrated, I'm stressed. This has been just a really stressful season of life for so many of us. And rest becomes so necessary. And we do this thing in America where we will sometimes put all of our eggs in the basket of a vacation. And we're like, okay, if I can just take those two weeks a year then my whole life will be right. I will get all of my rest in there as if we have this like, you know, backpack or this battery that we can just store up all the extra rest in. Then we go live at an unsustainable pace the rest of the year until we finally get back to our vacation. Anybody a little stressed at this scenario already? Like I'm getting anxiety describing that. And this idea of rest, well, this is how um, pastor and leadership expert Carrie Newhoff says, how we spend our time on, it, it, well, how we spend our time off will not fix how we spend our time on. If the problem is how we spend our time when we're on the rest of the year, then that's, that's where the problem is. It's not going to fix anything if we just leave and we don't change how we live. So I let the cat out of the bag already, right? We're talking about Sabbath. We are in a series called Rhythms, where we are talking about the rhythms that keep us alive. The rhythms that keep us alive when it comes to our spiritual life. We have rhythms that keep us alive. Number one, we're just going to all do this together. Breathe in. Breathe out. That was soothing. Let's do that again. Now, I would recommend that you keep that rhythm throughout the rest of your day so that you can stay alive. That's a really good thing. There's another rhythm that we have where, you know, the sun 
is going to go down tonight, and hopefully all of us will sleep during some portions of that time. Sleep is also a rhythm that we just have to do in order to stay alive and be a healthy human being. Other rhythms, you know, exercise and eating, I'd recommend that you consume some calories at some point in your life. So these are all rhythms. We have to do them. And so we're talking in this sermon series about the rhythms that will sustain our inner life. Because just things aren't always the way they look on the outside. And maybe you've been there where you're like, what, what looks on the outside, like I've got it together, I'm kind of holding it together on the inside, it's kind of shriveled up and tired and not looking so good. Because we want our inner life to thrive as well as our outer life. So last, uh, two weeks ago, John Ellingson preached on the centrality of the word of God. The fact that God's word, the Bible, this the group of 66 documents that the community of faith and God's people have compiled and treasured and read and read and read and read over and over again is a huge part of maintaining our spiritual life. So his reminder was to read, read, read. And then last week, Bob Sloan preached on prayer and this idea that when we talk to God, when we connect with God, when we align our heart with God, that that is this rhythm. And so Bob Sloan said, pray, pray, pray. And I'm not going to make you Sabbath, 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 because that's way too many. Can you say that five times fast? Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Like, I, I can't do that. So we're going to Sabbath. So let's dig in with this discipline. Let's pray first. Father God, uh, I pray that you would be our rest. In the chaos of the world that we live in, in the frustrations of our daily life, God, that your spirit would be our true north, our resting point, that we would go back to you and that we would thrive with our inner life. We invite you into this, Jesus. Let your spirit speak. Amen. Amen. So the word Sabbath is maybe not one that we use all the time. It's not exactly foreign to the English language, but it's also not one that we use necessarily every day. So you've heard the word sabbatical, right? Like we talk about business leaders and teachers and professors and different people. They have to take these long breaks sometimes to recharge. And so a sabbatical, um, there's a band called Black Sabbath that was remarkably unhelpful in my sermon prep um, for this week. But it's got Sabbath in the name, right? No, but so that word exists in our culture. Now let's talk about the most famous practitioner of Sabbath in our world today. Let's get the logo on the slides. Chick-fil-A, everybody. Yeah. They close on Sundays, which is just a part of their brand and their identity and what they do. Um, and we can maybe talk about the theology of whether or not whether chicken is served on Sundays violates the Sabbath or not. But they're this famous, that's what they're known for, is that they take a break on one day a week. Now, the word Sabbath is, and we're going to get real nerdy for a second, um, but the word Sabbath is a transliteration of the Hebrew word Shabbat. Turn, turn to your neighbor, say Shabbat. Shabbat. Type it in the chat online. Shabbat. You're all now Hebrew experts. Yay! No. So we just, instead of translating that word, we just pulled the letters over and said, we're just going to use that word Sabbath in the Greek and the English. And here's what the word Shabbat, the word Sabbath, means. It means to stop. 
to rest, to cease. It's a breaking point. It's a verb to, to break and rest. And Sabbath is a word that has a story. Words have power when they have stories. If I just walk to you out of context, I'm like, peanut butter. You're like, so what? Like, mostly everyone's just like, that's what Andrew does. He's weird. We're sorry. Like that, you're just apologizing. But, but if we're in the context, you know, like you've asked me like, oh man, there's only one food source left on the entire planet. What is it? That story makes that word mean a whole lot more, right? And some of you are like, peanut butter. Oh no. Like, uh, don't, don't even, that word pictures, we're leaving that behind. Let's keep going. So it's Sabbath. It's a word that has a story behind it. And that story invites us into what Sabbath is. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to go through the entire Bible today. We will not do it verse by verse. You're welcome. Let's open Genesis chapter 2. Here we go. The first person who practices Sabbath, this idea of stopping for one whole day out of every seven, is I think someone who doesn't need it. Let's read. And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. So God builds the universe and in six days is the way that the Hebrew goes. We've got one, two, and three where God creates matter and kind of pulls light and dark and the ground and water. And then on four, five, and six, he's filling that world with the things that live in it. Plants and animals and people. And God looks at creation and he says it is good. He says it is good. And in that goodness, it's very good, God rests. And he, I'm assuming, enjoys creation a little bit. He looks at it. He participates in it. Later in Genesis, it talks about him walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. And it's this beginning of the Bible story that talks about that God made creation and God made it good. And then the rest of the story of the Bible is kind of about how that goes south. And we look out into our world and there are lots of things that we would describe as not good. But at its core, Sabbath invites us to remember what it is that God made creation to be. That the story that God gave us is that he is doing good in this world. And I've got some questions about why the almighty creator of the universe needed to take a day off. And I don't think it's because he was tired. Right? Like, that's the derpy answer. Well, why, you know, why did the chicken cross the road? Like, why did God take a day off? Well, he was tired. No, I don't think so. But I think that rather he's setting forth a model for us, and he's telling us about something that is built into the fabric of creation and the world that we live in. And it's interesting how these sevens show up. So to this day, right, that was, and I quote, a long time ago, and to this day, our week is divided into seven days. We've got 52 weeks of seven days in our years. And so God invites us into Sabbath. Sabbath invites us into a rest that is just in the foundation of who we are, the foundation of this world. Let's keep trucking. Next time the Bible talks about Sabbath, you've got a group of slaves from the land of Egypt 
And God moves and, and gets them out of Egypt where they are freed and they are no longer slaves. And he brings them out into this journey in the wilderness and this is even before they hit Mount Sinai. So God has just liberated these people. He is like, I want you to be my people. I want to be your God. And this is where we find this story. Let's go Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day... When they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So let's look at this story. They, they have manna, which is kind of this famous phrase and famous word. In Hebrew, it just means, what is it? They're like, I don't know what this is. We're just going to call it, what is it? So God gives them this manna, and it's just enough for that day. And this is what's going to sustain them for the next like 40 years of their journey through the wilderness as God each day gives them what they need. And he tells them, don't gather too much. That's also part of it. And so Sabbath invites us to realize that what God gives us is enough. It's not all that we want. If we were going to like write out the list of all the things that we need and all the things that we could have, we might write a different list than what it is that God writes out and that God gives to us. But Sabbath is this invitation to once a week when we take that day of rest to put the stake in the ground and say, God has given me enough. I had a professor in a college who his sermons, whatever they were at 3 p.m. on Friday, was what they would be on Sunday morning. He would not write, he would not edit, he would not practice, he would not add because he just said, I'm putting a stake in the ground God is working through me enough, and I'm going to trust that the time that I've put in, that God's going to do something with it. And many of us, we would say, I'm too busy to fill in the blank, right? I'm too busy to exercise. I'm too busy to take a day and have a day of Sabbath where I rest and I contemplate and I connect with God. And the answer might be, if you are too busy for that, you are too busy. Because if we can't take the time for the right things, and we might ask the question, what, like, what are we trusting God to do with what we give him and what we put on the field and what we invest into our workplace? I'm struck by the fact that in this story, so the Israelites, when they go out to gather enough for the day, some of them said, yeah, I don't trust this God guy. I'm going to gather like double what I need. And they're shoving it into their little jars and taking it back into their tents and they're grabbing more than they need. And the next day, when they go to look at it and to pull out this food, it has rotted away and it's full of worms. Now maybe you have felt like that's where your time is at. That's the energy level that you're at. That's kind of what you're bringing to the table right now. Because when we don't trust God and live within our limits and within our, uh, our limitations and acknowledge what it is that he's laid out for us, oftentimes what we're giving and what we're striving for and we're trying to get more and do more and be more, that becomes worms sometimes. And the time that we're giving to our families, the time that we're giving to our workplaces, it can become worms because we're not present, we're not there. 
So Sabbath invites us to realize that God gives us enough. Did you know we all get the same amount of time every day? No, no, it's true. It's true. And some, you know, maybe you look at your neighbor and you're like, surely they got an extra like hour in there somewhere, right? Because they're getting so much done or they're doing all these things. It's, we all get the same amount of time. God has made us all humans. And when we practice Sabbath, what we're doing is carving out this space to worship God, to acknowledge our limits. So Sabbath invites us to realize that God gives us enough. Now you jump ahead four chapters, you get into Exodus 20, and you've got the Ten Commandments. And we know the Ten Commandments, right? They're the things that Charlton Heston brought down from the mountain. No, it's Moses. But they're pretty famous, and we get some of them, right? Some of them I don't even have to argue to convince you, okay? Coveting, not good. Let's not do that. Just says don't covet, all right? We also talk about murder, right? We're all on board with don't murder. But the command for Sabbath is interesting because that's the one that gets a full paragraph of explanation. That's the one where God's going to take some extra time. So here's what he says, Exodus chapter 20. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who lives within your gates, your pets are supposed to rest on Sabbath. And maybe some of you are like, I wish my kids would rest on Sabbath. Like, they just did not get the memo. They want to get out and get going and doing things. But God says, okay, so the Sabbath is supposed to be this holy thing. And holy just means set apart. Set apart for different, it's special, it's not the same. And we get this picture as like holier than thou, right? We picture people be like, I'm a holy person. Like, I'm therefore better than you. And I will look down my nose and be like, oh my goodness, you do not take a Sabbath. I can't believe, you know, and you just like that kind of puffed up attitude when actually the Sabbath just means something that is set apart. I'm going to talk about something very important to me that is set apart. My shoes are white. I'm trying to keep them that way. So there are things I do not do with these shoes. I do not take out the garbage. I do not mow the lawn in these shoes. I'm trying to keep them white. Now, that's a dumb illustration, right? Because I know that at some point, my shoes are probably going to get dirty. And then after first service, everybody came to look and make sure that they were spotless. But what we're doing with Sabbath, okay, what we're doing is we're taking a portion of our time, which, whoa, that's a valuable resource. Some of us are much more willing to part with our money and our finances and our emotional energy rather than part with our time. Because time is such this limited thing. But what we do with Sabbath is we are taking our time, setting it aside for rest and connection with God. And it's almost like we are building a sanctuary. We are building a place of worship in our calendar. Uh, Rabbi Heschel talks about the fact that in the same way that we would build a sanctuary, which like we're in a sanctuary right now, this space that we've set aside to sing to Jesus, to hear his word, to take communion, to worship, that with the Sabbath we are invited to set aside a portion of our time as this sanctuary in the middle of our calendar. So God gives this Sabbath command to the Israelites, and maybe that feels oppressive to you. Maybe you're like, man, God's trying to take a whole day 
out of their week. But I guarantee you that is not how it sounded to a nation of people who were just rescued from slavery. The first thing that God tells them, he says, you guys, if you're going to enjoy creation and be my people and be this new kind of people that I want to have on the world, you have to take a break. You can't just go, go, go. And so Sabbath invites us to work hard six days a week, right? To work hard, but also to play and to enjoy creation. And many people have this picture of God and of the Bible and even like the book of Leviticus or some of those Old Testament laws and you think, man, that's just God saying don't do this and don't do that and micromanaging all of their life. There are instructions in this book to party. There are instructions for the Israelites on this is how you're going to do it. Not in a destructive way like your neighbors where they would worship idols and degrade each other and do all kinds of things that were not building each other up in their partying. But God is like, no, Israel, enjoy creation, live and love and play and be a part of this world and trust that this story is good. And so he invites them into this. One example from my life growing up that just had this great rhythm, my dad set the tone in my house that we are a family that works hard and then we play together and we have a really good time doing it. So every week, this was a tradition from when I was really small, at, on Friday when dad got home from work, we threw this little mini party just for our family. We had a little slumber party where we would, um, we would go to this thing called Blockbuster Video that some of you may remember, right? We grabbed the VHS and it was so cool. When I was six, this was like the best part of my life is I get to go and pick a movie and then we would bring all of our mattresses and bedding and everything into the living room and we would have this slumber party together to just celebrate that we made it through a week. And maybe that's what you need to do, right? It's like, you made it through this week. Good job, everybody. Like, one week at a time. But that is this rhythm of Sabbath that God gives us, this rhythm of we work hard and we rest and we enjoy and we play. Now then, um, Israel goes into the land, right? And Everything was hunky-dory. They celebrated all the parties and all the feasts, and they kept all the laws, and it was just great. Okay, no, that's not exactly what happened, right? 400-something Four, years later, there is this thing where Israel does not keep their connection with God. They reject being God's people. They embrace the stories of the world around them, and they start to not Sabbath and worship God and build each other up, but rather to practice idolatry and to go after more and more and more with greed and to not keep those Sabbaths and to oppress each other. And God sends prophets over and over again. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago, we preached through the minor prophets and over and over again, God is telling his people, guys, turn back to me. This is life. This is life. Turn back to me. And they said, no. And so then this period of biblical history called the exile happens. Let's jump in 2 Chronicles 36. So this is after the exile, they're looking back. Why did this happen? What was going on? Why were we taken into Babylon? Here we go. Um, verse 20. He, that's Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword. And they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia. 
to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So Israel is going after more and more. And they're oppressing what we sometimes will call the AOWs, the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And they're, as a society, taking advantage of people. So Sabbath here invites us to take time to maintain that connection with God, to set aside time to just kind of do a spiritual recheck. Like, where are we at? Am I drifting? Am I moving towards God? Is my heart going in the direction that I want to go? Am I growing in the way that I need to grow? And then it also invites us to see people as people and not as objects. Because so often in our world, and I think this is a big statement that we can think about, because in our world, so often we get so focused on the thing and not the person. The hours that they can put out, the hours that they can put in, right? Even you drive up, so illustration, like you drive up to something like a, like a Starbucks or a Dutch Bros, and are we thinking about the person who's working, you know, behind the counter, or are we just like, they're not giving me my coffee fast enough? And I'm like, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, right? Because I want my coffee really fast. But... So often we are focused on and thinking about the thing and not the person. And Sabbath is this invitation to take a break and say, it's okay. Take a minute and value the other person. It also lets us remember that we have value when we're not producing. I've already quoted uh, Pastor Newhoff, and he says, workaholism is the most rewarded addiction in America. Because you know what we do when we see someone who's just going, 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 and they can't take a step, they can't sit down, they can't take a rest, and they can't stand to even be kind of quiet and alone with their own thoughts. We don't look at that person and say, hey, what's wrong? What's up with your story? Why do you feel like you need to do this? We say, gold star, you get a promotion, you get more money, everyone be like this person. But Sabbath invites us to the other story, to realize that we are not human doings, we are human beings. We're going to be present with our families and with our God. So Israel's back in the land, and they make a promise. They say, okay, so keeping the law, we messed up on that, never again. So they take the law, and they say, we're going to build some fences around it. We're going to build some extra rules to make sure nobody ever breaks the Sabbath again. We're going to define a Sabbath day's journey which is, this is how many steps you can take. If you take one step further, you have broken the Sabbath. Oh, no, I did it. Oh, no, like, it's a Sabbath day's journey. If you take one step further, and that is why Nike was not sold in Israel. First, no, that's, that's not why. But, uh, but so they have all these rules and all of these things that eventually started to oppress people again and to put them down. And so then Jesus shows up on the scene and he ruffled feathers because of the way he rested. Because the way Jesus was on the Sabbath and the rhythms of rest that Jesus built into his life, he made people frustrated. So in Mark chapter 1, it talks about how Jesus had this regular rhythm of waking up early and going and praying and spending a lot of time communing with God, talking to God, and this one time he comes back to his disciples, and here's what they say to him. Mark 1, 37, they say, Jesus, 
everyone is looking for you. Everyone. Now, is that accurate? I mean, there's probably like a couple people looking for him. There's probably a handful. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And maybe we feel like if we were to shut off the phone for a day, oh, that's a big one, right? If we were to step away from the email that when we came back, we would get, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus did not rest the way that the disciples wanted him to. They wanted him to keep going and keep doing and keep being. But then on the other side, the Pharisees didn't like what he did do on the Sabbath. He was constantly fighting with their idea of this law and these rules that they had to keep. And so there's an instance where he goes to a synagogue on a Sabbath day, and they plant someone. They go get this guy who has a withered hand, right? He has a physical disability, and he's brought in to the synagogue where Jesus is going to be because they're like, we've got Jesus. We've trapped him. Because if he heals this guy, which Jesus is known to do that type of thing, if he heals this guy, he's a jerk, or he breaks the Sabbath. If he doesn't heal this guy, he's a jerk. He doesn't care. And so he put this guy in to trap him, and Jesus asked the question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? What are we supposed to be doing? And so sometimes with this rhythm, sometimes maybe you're like me and you get real excited about stuff and you're like, okay, I'm going to work on practicing this. I'm going to work on practicing my Sabbath, which means I'm going to take all my me time for myself and I'm just going to make sure I do it all right. And then there's a monkey wrench that gets thrown into the works. Did you know that will happen? Did you know that the check engine light on your car can turn on during the Sabbath? Stuff happens. And what Jesus calls them back to do is to care about the people. He said it this way, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath invites us to life and not to rules, to a new rhythm of life. Now we got one more invitation from Sabbath. Here we go. We're going to have to do a little bit of work on this. So Jesus dies on the cross on a Friday. And Jesus is dead for three days. That has significance in this book because you're supposed to pay attention to the threes. And Jesus is dead for three days, not 72 hours, but three days from an ancient perspective. So Jesus dies on Friday. His body rests and is dead in a tomb on Saturday. On Sunday, the first day, he's resurrected to new life. And that is the first day of new creation. And what you're supposed to do as you're reading the Bible is to remember back to how God started creation. On day one, God started to build and do something in this world. And when Jesus rises from the dead on day one, God is doing something. He's bringing new life and new creation. And so when we put our trust in Jesus, that's what we have. We have new life. We are a part of new creation. And then it went from there. If you read the New Testament, you've got these Gentiles who are following Jesus. They weren't raised with the Jewish faith. You've got the Jewish Christians, and they had to figure out, how are we going to do worship together? Because guess what, guys? For thousands of years, Sunday was not the Sabbath. We are here on a Sunday worshiping God. And why, why is that? Well, there was this tradition where the Jewish Christians would then practice their Sabbath on the seventh day, and then the church would gather and worship on uh, Sunday, the Lord's Day. They would take 
communion together. So here's another thing. Of the Ten Commandments, only one of them is not recommanded in the New Testament. Only one of them is not, you got to still do this. Because like we're all still on board, right? Do not covet, do not murder, do not steal. Like We're on board with that. But the Sabbath, it's almost like, I think God gives us some freedom now with how we approach that. But there's this wisdom principle that we can still follow. That the Sabbath is still this true rhythm, but it's maybe not as much of a, a sin to you know, go out and, I saw some of you washing your car on Saturday. Like, you know, we don't do that anymore. Paul says to the Colossians, he says, don't let anyone disqualify you from a Sabbath. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, but rather that Jesus is this ultimate Sabbath that God is calling us to. And so maybe you're a full-time parent. And Sabbath gets a little tricky there, right? Because the kids still have to eat. Right? I've got a seven-month-old daughter, and she still will eat and sleep and poop and need being taken care of on the Sabbath. Like, I can't be like, sorry, kid, you're out of luck. Like, but, or maybe you're retired and you're in a new chapter of your life. You can still set time aside to make it holy. Or maybe we're in shift work where it doesn't line up with this you know, beautiful calendar where you can just say, on so my Sabbath day on Saturday, I will sit in my garden and the birds will fly down to me and I'll pray and it'll just be perfect. No, it doesn't work that way. But in the messiness of the world, I think God gave us this rhythm of once a week going back to him. Once a week recentering because Sabbath invites us to this taste of new creation. And this, this is something as I've been... Um, practicing Sabbath and growing in this discipline um, that I've really found life-giving. And it, it kind of sparks my brain in some cool ways, I think. Because it's almost like on Sabbath, we, we get to step into what heaven is, what that kingdom of God is. One day a week, we do this small act. And maybe it's as simple as paddleboarding down the Willamette River. That's something that I will do. Maybe it is as simple as going to my happy place with a Bible podcast and I'm cleaning my garage. Maybe it's as simple as that. But what we're doing is we are planting our flag and in rebellion to the stories of this world that says God does not care. God is done with this story. It is over. That's some bleak stories right there that we get fed. But on Sabbath, we say our God is good. I'm going to trust this story. I'm going to trust that the God who made creation didn't give up on it then. He's not given up on it now. That's what we do with Sabbath. We step into new creation. So let's talk real practically about what a Sabbath could look like real quick. A Sabbath might look like, here are four things. Because when I started to try and do Sabbath, I was so bad at it. I found myself scrolling through Facebook. And then looking up and being like, man, that was like a really short 90 minutes. And I kind of hate my life right now. Like that. And we can fall into these terrible habits or things that don't really fill us up. So let's talk about how to do Sabbath well. Number one is to stop. Whatever counts as work. I'm going to put some quotations around that. I would say we're going to cease from work. For that time that you have set aside... And that takes some planning, right? That takes some effort on our part. We got to put it on 
our calendar, um, we want to cease from work. And I'll let you define what that is. So for me, I have decided exercise, yes. That is something I will do on the Sabbath. So I went farther than a Sabbath day's journey. You guys can all forgive me, and I'll take it up with God. But I will exercise. I will not, for the life of me, check email. I will not look at my email. Um, I will also avoid, I don't do social media on Sabbath. Uh, and maybe for you, that's a happy place. For me, it is not. I will listen to podcasts on the Bible. I will read books. I will do a little bit of biblical study. But I won't study any technical, like, church dynamics, how to do small groups well, or, like, make the website good, or, like, professional development stuff. I'm just enjoying God. And so you stop from what would count as work for you, and you rest, and you set up your boundaries. And here's another thing, just a note about resting, or just something I found. I do not feel rested on my Sabbaths. I kind of feel like junk during them sometimes. Like inside, I'm like, I don't feel good during this right now. But it's like the next day or the next week that you start to feel some of the rhythm there. And then the next thing is delight. We have a God that invites us to enjoy creation. And I've said this once, and I'm probably going to say it again, because people do have this story that God is a killjoy. And he's not. He's one who wants life for us. He wants good for us. And so we need to do things that give us delight and joy and not the counterfeits of leisure or amusement. Numbing out with whether it is something in technology, social media and TV are things that are really easy for me to go after, but they're not the only things that we do to numb ourselves out. But that's not what we do on the Sabbath. We don't numb out. We enjoy and delight in the world. So maybe instead of the social media, I'm going for a walk with my daughter in the park. I'm doing those things that are just genuinely beautiful and recharge me. And then the last one is we contemplate. We connect with God and we draw close to him. And so maybe that means church for you. Maybe that means that you're watching. If it's not on Sunday, you're like watching an online church service. Sometimes I will do that on my days off. And maybe it means that you take the time to just journal and write out your feelings. Maybe you're going to be quiet and alone with God. William Wilberforce said this about the Sabbath. He said, blessed be God for this day of rest and religious occupation wherein earthly things assume their true size and comparative insignificance, where we get some perspective. When we rest, we breathe in, we breathe out, and we are just being with God. Sabbath invites us into rest that's built into the fabric of creation. Sabbath invites us to realize that God has given us enough. Sabbath invites us to work hard and play hard. Sabbath invites us to maintain connection with God. It invites us to see people as people and not as objects. It invites us to life and not to rules. And Sabbath invites us into new creation. You've been invited seven times to enjoy Sabbath. I'm going to ask you to respond to that invitation, to RSVP, to put it on your calendar, to carve out some piece of time and say, this 
is the Lord's. Let's pray. Father God, we need you. We are not enough. We have limits. And we need your spirit to work in us every day of the week. God, I pray that we would have a healthy way of following you. We'd develop healthy rhythms and that you would be our life. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.